And we are recording the podcast. And we are. <laughs> Episode 50. 50, dropping 50. Rogue Table Talks number 50, five handle. Uh huh. Yep. 50 cent. We did. Two weeks we did. away from a year. They said it couldn't happen. <laughs> did they? Did they say that? I don't even. They said it couldn't be done. Maybe they said it shouldn't be done. They shouldn't be done. But here we are, uh, and we have a new series uh, post Easter mm-hmm. called "Braving the Wilderness." Mm-hmm. Uh, Braving the Wilderness, which we'll talk about as we go along. Um, which we Jacob, straight, which we straight lifted from Brene Brown. We did. This is hands right. down, quote unquote, title right. of her book. <laughs> right, right. Uh, so you know, might, might want to read that book. It's, I understand it's a good book. I haven't read it. Um, yeah, I like Brene. Probably it's a different. <clears throat> A different different, uh, different thing than what we're doing. Um, so yeah, that would be another you know sermon series titles that are taken from other contexts. There's probably <laughs> most of them are right. How <laughs> I many modern family series have there been? Oh, right? uh, we visited a church as a creative team two years ago, and um, nobody will be listening to our podcast from that church, so I can say this: their series at the time was Dancing with the Scars. <laughs> and i just you got like you can't you couldn't you can't you shouldn't it sounds like a parody you should it not like a babylon b uh you just should not <laughs> I, oh. love I love i love deliciously bad i love it uh okay yeah. so you are in your uh basement child's bedroom with a unicorn over your that's over right your shoulder yep uh Poor thing. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. yeah. Her other half of her body, though, is still right. there. We you just, felled that. You felled that um, in the wilderness. Felled the uh, unicorn yeah. in the wilderness. Yeah. I'm in my kitchen now, which I think is a change with my the state of my the state of our birth, uh, or actually my birth, Nancy's mm-hmm. birth. She was actually in uh, Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. Oh, wow. Up there. I didn't know she um, was that far. I know you're Michigan. Yeah, she was actually Canadian. She became an American. She naturalized some years back. So, wow. Uh, anyway, uh, have we started the podcast? It's on. Okay. Yeah, we should probably. <laughs> this has been the intro. We probably should. Uh, it's the wilderness of sorts. Yeah, wilderness. Yes, we've been in the wilderness of uh, a podcast introduction. Um, so, do you are you a wilderness person? Do you like the wilderness? Ish. Ish. Like, yeah. explain. Uh, we I grew think up I'm going, probably in the same boat. Yeah, we grew up going to the mountains uh, for vacation, and I really liked that fishing, you know, hunting guns, being out in the streams, hiking. It's all great. Motorcycles. When I go to bed at night, I want a cabin with a shower and a yeah. normal bed. So, yeah, we are in the same boat. Yeah, yeah. we've done that. Uh, last few years, we've done some different vacations that involve hiking, national parks that sort of stuff and love it. Love being out in the wilderness, taking hikes. Uh, in fact, I remember like we almost got lost in, uh, Yosemite. Is it Yosemite or Yellowstone? Which one is Yosemite? Which one is in, uh, California? Uh, I think it's Yosemite anyway. Um, and we, you know, the trails, you know, you're out in the wilderness, you're hiking trails, but they kind of intersect. And I think we, thought we were going back and we were heading out and I realized, Hey, we've never seen that side of that mountain before. Like I don't, we didn't, it's not the way we came, <laughs> uh, but yeah, but it's, that's great. And then yeah, at the end of the day, shower, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe a restaurant meal even. I was going to say, I do. I, it's not exciting to me to have a long day outside and then come try to prepare food. Right. Not around, a, around a fire. Right. Nothing. No. Yeah. So wilderness ish. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Both of us are some true wilderness people are uh, scoffing at us even now. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Biblical context, uh, wilderness. Um, you know, we're thinking of, of course, Jesus went into the wilderness to be tempted. The Israelites were in the wilderness for 40 years. Uh Uh, David was sort of in the wilderness as he was being chased by Saul and hiding in the, in the wilderness waiting. So it's sort of a, it's not just a biblical metaphor. It's a biblical part of the, part of the biblical narrative, uh, over and over. Uh, so let's just like, why is that? Do you think what's, what purposes, purpose purposes does the wilderness serve in the biblical narrative? What happens in the wilderness? Yeah. What happens in the wilderness doesn't stay in the wilderness. No, that's, and that's what we want. We want it to stay there. I think, I think it depends. Um, I think it's important to say if you're in a wilderness of sorts, uh, either as a society or church or individual, sometimes you don't know why you're in the wilderness, but that's often the first question we want to ask is why am I going through a wilderness where it's different than before? It's a different landscape. It feels a little more dangerous. Um, you know, maybe I don't sense God's guiding or presence as close or something just kind of unearthed. And I would say in Israel's case, they wandered in the wilderness um, because they were disobedient. They were supposed to go into the land. They sent the spies. Uh, Two of them came back and said, oh, we can do it. They had faith and courage. Let's go for it. The rest didn't. So they didn't. And then they wandered. Um, But that doesn't mean, you know, Jesus was in the wilderness for obedient purposes, probably to relive Israel's narrative um, and their unfaithfulness and his replaced with his faithfulness. But mm-hmm. um, that doesn't mean that if you're in a wilderness, even if it's your own doing, um, that only bad things happen there or that God doesn't redeem it or that God doesn't use it to really grow you and advance his mission. So I mm-hmm. guess those are just some initial thoughts about yeah. in the wilderness. Yeah, I think those are good thoughts. I think we shouldn't assume I'm in the wilderness, you know, because I've done something wrong, but it could be partly because I've done foolish sure. things or whatever. Uh, if you want to say Job was in the wilderness during his time of suffering, uh, that you know Job's friends, their mistake was, okay, Job, let's talk right. about what you did here. Right. Obviously, yeah, you wouldn't be in the wilderness if you didn't do something wrong, and that was the mistake of Job's friends. So, yeah, uh, asking the question because the question, the answer is not always obvious. Why? why am I going through this time? And, you know, when we're saying wilderness, it might be a period of, uh, you know, it could be something external like job loss, pandemic, something that's happening, something that's happening in the world, but it could be uh, depression, you know, it could be a sense, uh, just a a grief. Uh, You know, there's a sense of spiritual wilderness that, that we might find ourselves in. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's helpful to, to say, I feel like I'm in the wilderness right now to some extent. And I think it's, it's apropos. And I think the reason we're, we kind of picked this series is because we, 
we are sort of in this sort of, you can call it a wilderness experience of this pandemic where we didn't, we're not in control. We didn't make this happen necessarily. We can't control it. Uh, we're restricted. Our plans are changed. Our, we're grieving the loss of many things. So we're all kind of going through this time together. And so a good question would be, uh, what does God want to do? Uh, what does redemption look like? That's probably always a good question. Like what mm-hmm. does redemption look like at mm-hmm. this point in my life? Cause God always wants to redeem stuff. So yeah. not necessarily is this punishment for this or is it, uh, not, or I personally long ago kind of gave up even wondering about that, all these questions, cause they're sort of unanswerable. Yeah. Unless it's like something I did, uh, that, that guy, maybe I should realize that, but you know, whether it is like the nation of Israel, where they were in the wilderness because of their disobedience or whether it's Jesus who was in the wilderness because of his obedience, or let's say David was in the wilderness, you could say because of Saul's disobedience in a sense, mm-hmm. right. Um, right? There's all sorts of different reasons in a way it doesn't matter unless there's something I need to do about it, like repent of something, confess, make something right, repair a relationship. What, how does God, what does redemption look like? Mm-hmm. What, uh, what does growing in Christ like doesn't look like? What does he want to do during this wilderness time? And I think probably what does he want to do that he, that he, what does he want to, what does redemption look like? that's unique to the wilderness that wouldn't happen without a wilderness. Like sometimes the wilderness is necessary, right? Sometimes the wilderness is necessary. Um, Yeah. I'm thinking of, there's just things you can't learn by mere information. And the Israelites, when God gives them some sort of evaluation on the wilderness experience, it was, I needed to shape your hearts into having faithful hearts. And one of the first things you see of their response in the wilderness, which is interesting, is the temptation to look backwards and say, wasn't it better? Like, wasn't it better in Egypt when we had all this meat to eat and all this other stuff? And you look at the store and you think, well, that's a crazy scenario, but we do the exact same thing. We look back often when we're in the wilderness and say, well, I just can't wait. Like that was better. We got to get back. We have to go backwards. And I don't know if it's like a, that's an actual sin um, in general in the wilderness, but I do think it does prevent us, like you said, from going forwards when really what needs to happen is you got to figure, it's like a frontier. You have to figure out the landscape, what you're being invited to and what how you're supposed to act now going forward, not man, I just, uh, that was, that was great back there in slavery. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I forget that major portion of it. So I do think God wants to, we like to be settled. And when we become settled, we become closed off usually to what God is doing. We become closed off to being humble and dependent and God likes to unsettle us. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying, I'm not saying causality of the wilderness. I'm just saying he likes to unsettle us. Yeah. And I think it's not in a, uh, you know, 
angry or even mischievous way. It's just for our right. own good. We need to be, we need to be knocked from our comfort place so that spiritual things will happen that wouldn't happen otherwise. Uh, and you know, things like, you know, realizing I don't need that much toilet paper. Uh, for instance, uh, I can get by. Uh, why was that? I just, I, I have no I, idea. It's just fascinating. It's just fascinating. Yeah. It's just something that says something. I don't know what it figure it says, but, uh, but there's things that, uh, prayers I wouldn't pray. There was, there's be a level of need or dependence I wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah. Uh, and it, I don't know that again, it necessarily mean God brings them all because I think in this fallen world, if we're honest, we will find ourselves moving in and out of wilderness times and that's okay. And there's nothing mm-hmm. shameful about it. Um, right. Uh, it, but it's, again, the question is what is, what does God want to do? How does he want to redeem this? What does redemption look like? Um, and you know, Moses was in the wilderness, you know, Jesus, David, uh, all sorts of wilderness experiences. Um, let me read from Deuteronomy uh, chapter eight, uh, verses two through nine. And let's talk about that. Now this is Deuteronomy is with the second reading of the law. So this is uh, about to enter the land. Uh, the people of Israel about to enter the land after basic, their wilderness experience is coming to an end. I got that right, right? Um, so it's the sermon sermon before they enter the land. Right. So this is the generation that basically grew up in the wilderness. Uh, and, uh, so Deuteronomy eight, starting in verse two, remember how the Lord, your God led you all the way in the wilderness, these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in obedience to him and revering him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with brooks, streams, and deep springs gushing out into the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing, a land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. Uh, Okay, so let's maybe talk about, like, what what did God do in the wilderness in this case? And, you know, what what happened with God's people and, you know, they they were humbled, they were tested. Uh, they went through an experience that they would probably, you know, it wasn't super enjoyable (laughs) to them probably. (laughs) Right. right? Yeah. Uh, But they learned things and experienced things they wouldn't otherwise. Right. Yeah. That God was a provider. Right. Yeah. And, and, um, I think in the school of the wilderness um, and spiritual formation, um, it it has to come through time and experience. And God just doesn't give them a set of things to memorize and to understand and to know about him. He doesn't just give them doctrine. he, He puts them through these experiences where they really do have to wake up and depend upon the food 
that 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 came in the evening with mana and they're wandering around they don't they're nomadic they don't get to have you know me and you would have not done well in that wilderness no hotels no hotels and yeah they're eating you know bread every the same type of bread every morning but but it has to it has to go through this experience and i think um oftentimes we want to reject the discomfort of the experience and we want to tell ourselves certain stories about maybe who god is or whatever else almost in a way to keep these these uncomfortable experiences away and in reality, we're not really responding well to the test. The test is you have to go through this. What St. John of the Cross, the uh, mystic writer, I don't know, 13th, 14th century, maybe earlier, called the dark night of the soul. You, you, you have to go through the dark night of the soul. Mm. And, and um, it's actually, you posted this in teaching team. might be good to put in the notes here, uh, the mm-hmm. C.S. Lewis quote, um, just about this is how we grow into maturity and Christ-likeness is God takes his presence, even if it's not in reality away from us, but it's our experience of his comfort and presence. Yeah. And even, you know, it's like the, you know, the, you know, taking your hand off the back of the bicycle seat while your child is learning to ride a bike without a training wheel, uh, you're pleased with the effort, even if it's the, you know, the outcome isn't, isn't awesome. And that's the only way you learn how to ride a bike without a hand on the backseat. And I do think it's, it's true. I think what you said was what we'd like to do is learn the doctrine that God is our provider Mm -hmm. and to memorize the verses and to teach the Bible studies that God is our provider while we arrange our life in such a way that we don't actually experience you know, we're not conscious of experiencing, like we want to provide everything for ourselves uh-huh. and then learn the doctrine. And they had to go out every morning and gather enough manna for that day. Only that Cause, day, then, yeah. cause then it went bad and then they had to go out the next morning. So the doctrine that they didn't have to learn the doctrine that God was their provider. They learned the doctrine by ex- experience. Like they, yeah. they learned it in a way that is, uh, you know, irreplaceable. And so I think that's the, again, doctrine's good, but I think unless we, unless we encounter it in some sort of experiential way that I experience God's grace, not, you know, Mm -hmm. God has grace is a, is a good doctrine, but that I experience God's grace. And sometimes it's the wilderness that is the only place that you will do that. Especially I think for us here in America, where we can, pretty much try to unwilderness our life as much as possible mm-hmm. where everything we've got a plan i've got a secure financial future my job i got a good job a good house a good this a good that and pretend that i'm never i've 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 walled myself off to you know now when the wilderness comes i'm surprised like how did this happen uh when probably i was making it necessary by you know trying to live a, a non-wilderness life and the things that only can happen in the wilderness are. Cause I think that's another way to think about it is the wilderness is always there for us. If we're honest about our pain, our anger, our grief, our loneliness, our 
or sense that I don't feel God's presence strongly, but I think we want to ha- kind of happy word our way through life. So I don't actually admit that like the wilderness is always there if I want it, if I want to enter into it and then let God do stuff. Uh, and I think we probably have to learn by experience that the wilderness at some level is necessary or else I won't, you know, I won't grow. It's Yeah. I, interesting. When you were reading that passage, it said towards the beginning to humble and detest you mm-hmm. in order to know what was in your heart. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was an interesting phrase in order mm-hmm. to know what was in your heart. And, and obviously we do need to have these doctrines of the unconditional love of God, the patience of God, um, the gentleness and the grace of God that he shows love and mercy to thousands and thousands of generations for those who keep his commandments, you know, book of Exodus. But, and so here it's not to see what's in your heart to get you like, aha, I knew you were hiding something in there and I'm, and I found it out, but maybe to bring to surface what you didn't know was in your heart. God knows what's in your heart. Right. But, um, you know, as, as people talk about, you know, mindfulness or awareness, there's, there's really good elements of truth in those conversations of if you're unaware of it, you're not in charge of it. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. It's interesting. So let's, uh, let's explore that a little bit. Cause I, so then what is coming out of my heart during this wilderness? Like what is the pandemic we are in right now bringing out mm-hmm. that probably was always there but I was able to run away from it or wall it off or close my eyes to it. Like, um, like I don't really know what's going to happen in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, the pandemic kind of brings this, there's an, there's an economic uncertainty. Will I get sick? Will a family member get sick? Um, what will happen to the church? Uh, you know, what will happen to the, you know, the mission of the church moving forward. Um, All of these things are live questions Mm -hmm. and I don't think they're bad questions. And they're always in a sense questions that we think we know, but when the wilderness comes, we realize we don't really know. We don't really control any of those things, that all of those things that I am in God's hand, that my family is in God's hand, that the church is the Lord's and he, he will provide for it and he will bring his, you know, he will bring the mission of the church forward. And all of this stuff is always true. But in, when we're not sort of in this pandemic wilderness, we can kind of convince ourselves we got it all planned out. We got it all covered. We know what we're doing. Uh, and I don't think that having a plan is bad, of course, or having a sense of planning for the future is bad. It's just what we do with that in our hearts is we sort of make that the thing that comforts us instead of the Lord is the one who should comfort me. The Lord is the one who should bring you peace. And I think the wilderness kind of takes, if you're, if you're finding peace in your plan and in your provisions for the future, then that's probably not what, you know, the way to redeem that is now I can really find peace in the Lord's work in my life the Lord who sustains me, the Lord who, you know, loves the church more than I do, loves my family more than I do and so on. And I don't think you can, 
maybe you can, but I think most people kind of need the wilderness to take this away in order to really get to this place. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's true. I think it's interesting because for me, I've, I, I would just say I've never really been a person of super strong faith. I, I have faith, but more often than not, I have doubt. Um, more often than not, I have fear. Now, I would argue I'm not really a person that's um, crippled, as in I don't act because of my fear, but I feel it. Um, and and so those have been brought to the surface. And then I, I talk with people, and I hear their really, really strong faith. And I think, wow, that's, this has been, you know, pushed for them to the surface and they've probably always had a strong faith. So for me, it causes me to pray, you know? mm-hmm. God strengthen my faith. Like, um, I, you know, I know God loves me and I'm, and I'm not shaming myself, but it's, yeah, I would like to have a stronger faith through this experience, trusting right. in God. So for me, you know, you, you had said last week, um, I think, I don't know if you said it on the podcast, but some people have different fears throughout this. Um, some people don't fear death. Some people fear loss, right? The loss of a loved one. I fear, I fear death. And I would argue that's probably because of my own story. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's always been a fear of mine of something distrustful of the after of the unknown mm-hmm. distrustful of, well, is God Am, am I going to meet God and he's going to give me a Matthew seven? <laughs> like, Hey, you thought you knew me, but you didn't like, there's mm-hmm. just that fear. And so that really comes to the surface, but in a good sense, it, it does push me back to doctrines. Mm-hmm. Say, and yet God is faithful. It's not my faith. You know, the, the right. fragility or strength of mind that really counts. It's God's faithfulness. It's, the certainty of the assurance of the cross and of his love. So I'm just throwing thoughts out there. So for do you me. think, do you think, um, because you had maybe a little bit more hellfire brimstone when you were younger that like, I didn't have that. So do you think that's part of, I, yeah, definitely think I, I, do, part I do think hellfire brimstone preaching is sort of, are you, you, you know, yeah, you said that prayer, but are you sure, you know, you can make sure tonight, you know, even though you made sure. That's know. a great point. There was so much, when I think more about it, there was so much um, implicit doubt communicated in right. those moments of like, hey, if you've never done this, or even if you have, but you don't know for sure. Right. And it's like, right. you know, right. for anybody, and I'm a pretty right. sensitive person. So, yeah, I, I remember yeah. coming to Christ at eight years old because I was I heard a sermon on hell. Mm-hmm. And what yeah. eight-year-old thinks that's a good a good idea? <laughs> right. right. And so I think what that points to is, and what you're talking about, I think, is the difference between faith and trust. Where uh, Kim Stillman was a was a longtime member of Calvary, and you know, very uh, exemplary Christian, had great faith. And you know, one of the things she said, uh, she developed cancer, and it was a long battle in which she was quite open with it. And she was, did a video and she expressed some of her thoughts and I talked to her as well. And, you know, one of the things she said was that that was very arresting for me was she'd always had great faith. And once she became a Christian, she became a Christian as an adult. I've always had, I always had faith in God, but I never really knew what it meant to trust him. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of what we experience in the wilderness is that we can have faith, mm-hmm. but do I trust 
that in not in a doctrinal way or not in I'm going to go to heaven or that God has grace for me or God's in control. I have faith for all of that, but can I trust him that if my family member gets sick, that he's going to be whatever that is. And I think, you know, that I have, she was at a place where she had to trust God with her family and because she didn't have a choice. And I think that's the sort of thing where in the wilderness, you probably learn what trust is, even if you had a pretty strong faith or have a pretty strong faith. Yeah. And one of the things about that passage where their shoes didn't wear out, which I love that. <laughs> because, you know, somebody like me would have been like, okay, we're going to be in this wilderness 40 years. What are we going to do? I mean, my we're going to need a part of like a program of like the hand-me-downs and overs and who's going right. to go make I mean, shoes. we're going to have to find some cows and kill some cows and skin them. Yeah. And we need to get this shoe manufacturing thing going right now because it's going to take, you know, that was their toilet paper. <laughs> shoes. Right. right. And, and God says, no, I've, you know, you're in the wilderness. I put you in the wilderness. I'm going to take care of you in the wilderness. Not necessarily meaning I'm going to get you out early, but you know, you don't have to worry about that. Your shoe, your feet didn't swell, which is another detail I love. Um, <laughs> Feet didn't swell, and the shoes didn't wear. You're walking all day or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good. Absolutely, and you you can see people, and I'll be like, "Our feet are going to (laughs) just blow up like balloons, Moses. What the heck?" You know, Uh, and so in other words, it doesn't make sense how this can work in the wilderness, but God makes it work, so that His purposes will come come forward. And that's what Moses is saying. Remember all of these things that God did for you in the, in the wilderness. And then don't forget them when you're out of the world. Basically you're going to a place. You're, you're going to leave this wilderness. Remember the lessons, remember the experiences, remember the provision, remember the trust that you had to have in the wilderness. Once you're out of the wilderness. I think that's a good point. I think it's important in the wilderness not to be consumed with plans for the future, but it's, it is important in the wilderness to know that we're being prepared for something in the future. Um, you see that consistently through the biblical text. Like you just said, going into the promised land. Um, and then David was, a, David was anointed king, but it was 13 years maybe where he's hiding and on the run and back in the palace or out of the palace uh, before he he takes the throne. Jesus is in the wilderness as preparation for the public launch of his ministry. So there, to me, one of the deep anchors of hope in the wilderness is that God is preparing you um, and a collective you, whatever that is, family, church, um, society for the, for something in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, to be, to, to be given more responsibility, to, uh, show more faith to something, um, to not forget when you go into the next stage, mm-hmm. which yeah. is out of the wilderness. Right. Yeah. And I think you can think of that in two ways. You can think of it in a big picture way and in a more immediate way where, <clears throat> um, let's say in a year there's a vaccine for the, for this, uh, coronavirus, um, or however long, eight months, a year, 18 months, two years, we don't know. Um, and at some point we will look back on this time, just like people now, and there'll be documentaries on 
the pandemic of 2020, just like you can watch a documentary on the flu of 1918. Um, and we'll be on the other side of it. Um, what, what should be different? You know, what lessons should we be learning now that we need to carry forward that what is he preparing us for? What will be changed about the church and our, our family and our relationship with God that wouldn't have been changed without the, you know, we needed the wilderness to do whatever it is he wants done. Um, you know, what, what are those things and how can I, uh, sort of what patterns can, where I'm okay. I'm, I'm just like going out and getting the manna every morning. Like, what is it about the wilderness that I need to learn by experience and carry forward? Yeah. Uh, and then, so that's the one, that's sort of one question. And then in a bigger picture sort of way, you know, compared to the life uh, and having the life after the age, after this age, this comparatively is this entire experience as a wilderness, uh, in which we don't, you know, we don't relate to one another or we don't relate to God in the way that we, you know, we are made to, we, you know, we're, we're not in the garden. We're not yet in, uh, the new heaven and the new earth. We're sort of here in this place. And so what, uh, how is my, how is this preparing my heart for heaven? Or is it even, uh, tearing my heart away from being overly wedded to this age? Um, you know, what part of that? And those two things of course overlap, you know, maybe to do one is to, uh, to do is to, you know, prepare for the eternity is, is also going to prepare me for what he has next. Um, and I say that just thinking of, you know, the Chinese church, uh, which is an interesting, you know, we think of, you know, China is where this virus came from and, uh, somehow there's something shame, shame or blame. When in fact, you know, a lot of those people suffered greatly and we don't even know how many, uh, people died, but what is the church in China? How are they experiencing it? Uh, this pandemic, but even before that they're in the wilderness and, you know, what are they learning that is a good thing for them to learn or the church in a largely Islamic country or so on that they're in wildernesses that are, uh, much more profound and more long lasting and that we would consider, uh, I don't know, very uncomfortable is too, too, too light a word. Uh, but they're learning stuff that, you know, they're being prepared for, they're being winnowed away from in a way that frankly, we probably need, and maybe this pandemic is part of that. God's mm -hmm. addressing our need to tear our hearts away from being overly wedded to this age. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, I think, uh, for a while now, it's um, you've seen the church growth really explode um, in non-Western countries, um, South America, Middle America, Eastern countries, where they don't have the resources the West does, um, um, and they don't really have the power, I mean, other than China and some of the other places, but a lot of places, Africa, they don't have the power that the West does, but the gospel is just exploding, and part of it is because of persecution. Um, and part of it is, uh, just because, uh, maybe God is using 
as first Corinthians says, the foolish things of the world to teach the wise, the mm-hmm. lovely things of the world mm-hmm. to show the lofty things. And I do think that's true. Um, it's interesting. I, for me, I think I'm totally wrong. It's just speculation, but I or could be wrong. I think two things will come from this wilderness experience of the pandemic for us and the church in the West. Um, I think uh, revival will take place to some degree. I think that when people come back, um, the there's a, a ripening of the soil to prepare for that. Um, I also think that, well, to, to, to speak to that too, you see, I don't know if you saw Andrea Bocelli on Sunday, Easter Sunday. Sing. A little bit, yeah. It was beautiful, um, mm-hmm. haunting and all that, but he sang I mean, amazing. I didn't, I didn't understand any of it. <laughs> yes, yes. He, But at the very end, he sang Amazing Grace, mm-hmm. and, the, and the cameras are panning over the cities in Italy, but then also around the world, and they ended with New York. Mm-hmm. And um, people are, there's an openness and, and I heard, I didn't see this, but I heard Chris Tomlin was on maybe CNN or MSN or something, and they presented the gospel and mm. he sang worship songs. And there's just an openness to, hey, um, maybe there's something going on with this Christianity movement. So that's one thing. The other thing I think mm. is uh, I do think there'll be more unity between mm-hmm. humanity after this. I think previously we saw just so much hatred, so much division. I know that's still out there. But I think you see um, a lot of walls falling down um, between just people as people. So, mm-hmm. Hmm. yeah, I do think that, and, and and to the extent those things happen, they wouldn't have happened otherwise. Uh, uh, I do think that um, you know one of the uh, I, I referred to this I think yesterday, and it's in you know the, the engaging culture session we did yesterday for the staff. Um, there's a, uh, a segment of the book, Children of Men, uh, where in the Children of Men is a book, B.D. James wrote it in early 90s, like 92, 91, and it's set in 2021, uh, ironically enough. Uh, and uh, the, the premise of the book is people stop being, being able to have babies. There's no new babies born. Uh, and so Christian, or, uh, humanity is dying out, is aging out, and there's nobody below a certain age and you know just kind of all the stuff that that does but one of the and you know it's a secular book it's a it's a novel it's a secular book uh and i believe i don't know that pd james is christian but this the part of one of the things that they wrestle with is that western science was a god and they were coming to the conclusion that their god is dead mm-hmm. uh, and you know all of the ramifications of that uh, and I think that one of the things this, one of the necessary things this does for us is to say, yeah, science is not always going to miraculously save us, that there are things beyond our power, things beyond our control, which again, we might know intellectually, but this has made it, you know, profoundly clear to us. And so some people probably will respond with, is there something more ultimate? Is there something, uh, is there a place of safety, security and love and grace that I can, I'm now more interested because the thing I was counting on before is failed. Right. Uh, Right. And I think 
there is an opportunity there. It doesn't mean the pandemic is good or that war is good or whatever brings us to that point is good. It just means that God can redeem that yeah. uh, and, and wants to redeem that. And so I think that's maybe what we can leave people with is what is that thing? You know, what, 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 what are, what are my gods needed to die or what, what are things that I was, what about crutches I needed to throw away or that I was leaning on that God, you know, wants me to discard and rely on him or whatever that might be. What, you know, what are means of growth that he wants me to experience? What are those? How, how does he want to redeem this time for me, for my family, for my church? So that's, yeah. that's eight. I don't know what you, what you want to add to that or throw on top of that. Yeah, no, I, I think that's good. I think each person in situation of job or staying at home could be different. So I think that's a great kind of big question to ask and probably take some time to figure out what is in my heart that's being pressed forward, mm-hmm. that's being pressed up. Is it fear, doubt, faith, courage, mm-hmm. bitterness, unforgiveness, hope? you know, right. whatever that is so that yeah. we can begin to walk forward in the wilderness. So, yeah. All right. Well, uh, so we'll, we'll leave it there. We hope that you all have a, a, a great week, a safe week, yeah. uh, and a week in which you are growing, uh, and that whatever the manna is for you, you're going out and getting it every day. Uh, and God is using it to, to change your heart. Uh, with that, uh, grace and peace. Thanks for listening to Rogue Table Talks, a Calvary Church Media Productions podcast. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts.